Hey, before we get started, I want to talk to you a little bit about our theme for this quarter, growing and protecting your portfolio. We're excited about various topics centered around this, but it really comes down to three concepts that will help you grow and protect your portfolio. You can find a PDF on our website about this. Go to wiserinvestor.com, scroll down to the bottom, enter your email address, and you'll get the PDF titled Three Ways to Grow and Protect Your Portfolio. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We cover financial topics such as retirement planning, tax planning, portfolio management, insurance, and estate planning so you too can have a wiser retirement. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom, uh, are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hi, Casey. So this is a special edition podcast for our Wiser clients. Um, kind of do a, uh, we do this once a quarter. Talk a little bit about uh, market performance, some changes in our portfolios, and some t- changes in our technology this time. Sure. Anything that's coming up that they should be aware of? So, Brad? Yes? You're the portfolio man. Yes, what I you am. Got? You know, uh, fourth quarter of 2021 really capped off a great year. I mean, if, if in 2022 we had the same results that we had in fourth quarter of 2021, I think we'd probably be happy, to tell you the truth. Um, the, the S&P 500, probably our most well-known index and those that our clients are probably most familiar with, had a 10% gain in the quarter alone. So capped off a year at 26, 27% with a yeah. 10% gain in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just great. So we really got a year-end rally there. Um, it fed well into our portfolios, given that our, our high, high, most heavily concentrated position is in you know the S&P 500, or highest conviction there. Uh, so that really drove performance for our portfolios and our clients you know, for this past quarter and finishing out the year. There's a 28% rate of return from the S&P 500. That's, that's a great... For the year? Yeah. That's terrific. Uh, you know, you love it when those years come along. You can't count on them year after year. Right. Uh, but when you're there and, and you're participating in it and you're invested, it just feels great. You know, I know that when we do our planning, Matthew's here is with us. Um, I know through his planning process, uh, we're not planning for 28% returns. We're planning for something, you know, you know, much less than that. But when we get these, you know, we get to bank those for our clients and, you know, let that accumulate in their portfolios for future use. Now, Brad, on the flip side, Short-term bonds returned a negative one percent this year. If you held it from beginning to the end, what um, what is our take on why bonds should still be in a portfolio at this point? You know, we're we're reviewing this, you know, daily almost relative to our client portfolios. Bonds pl- continue to play an important role in all portfolios. They 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 give us a more certainty of return, given that they have a stated interest rate on them. Uh, they, they mature at face value, so you know that you have a, a stated ending value to the, to the bond at, at term. Uh, they mitigate the risk of investing in equities in a portfolio, and they provide some, some interest, some income to the portfolio as well. So we continue to be uh, uh, invested in bonds. We know that this is a difficult period, given that rates, interest rates are, are creeping upwards through some of the actions that the Fed Reserve is taking. Um, so we're seeing a little bit of that, and interest rates and bond prices tend to have an inverse relationship to one another. So as interest rates rise, uh, the value, the face value of the bonds that we're holding 
can go down somewhat depending upon the economic conditions. So we're seeing a little bit about with that, which is why, Casey, we have an overweight to equities and an underweight to bonds in all of our portfolios right now. But bonds continue to play an important role. We're utilizing different durations in our bond portfolio to help manage and mitigate now the risk in the bond portfolio of rising interest rates. So we've shortened the overall rate of duration in the bond portfolio to be less than that of the U.S. aggregate bond index. So as interest rates rise, our portfolio should be less volatile than the aggregate bond index as a whole. So basically we're um, focused on quality bonds and shorter maturity. That's right. All Less of the risk. bonds are, are investment grade or, or higher. So we're, it's all investment grade and they're all shorter term than the, the overall bond market itself. And we, and, and over the last quarter, what uh, changes have we made to our models? Well, recognizing that uh, inflation has really come on, it's the highest has been in 40 years and is likely to spend some time with us here in 2022, we decided to exit one of the bond positions in the portfolio and implement a TIPS position. TIPS is short. Excuse me, is a short-term um, Treasury inflation protected security. So it's a Treasury inflation protected security with a short-term duration to it. The this security is designed that as inflation goes higher, the value of the underlying position and the rate at which the uh, investor is paid on the bond increases with inflation. So it has an offset to inflationary aspect to it. So we implemented that in order to protect against uh, any loss in value in the bond portfolio due to rising interest rates. So we get an increase in the tips if in the case that we have a decrease in the rest of the positions of the bond portfolio. So everything that we're predicting in the uh, interest rate environment now, if that comes true, uh, the new tip fund would probably be kind of stay at its current value. Well, it's really protecting us if inflation's bigger than what what the market has anticipated. Yes, that's where you get you know the greatest rise in the underlying value of the tips security itself is if inflation comes in higher than expected. Okay, now inflation is expected to be with us throughout the, you know the rest of 2022. Now, yep. So or to, before it was transitioned. Transition transitory. transitory. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it was transitory. Yeah. Uh, where now we're hearing less transitory. I mean, it may be here for throughout the year, throughout tapering the year. near the end of the year. Yes. Now, what the uh, Jerome Powell at the Federal Reserve has said. Now, it's uh, supply and demand implications is causing inflation. Now, what that means in classical economic terms is supply and demand, which we all learned about in Economics 101, and the way that the Federal Reserve deals with supply and demand issues is through their interest rate mechanism. So if supply and demand is out of um, equilibrium and there's greater demand and there is supply, which causes inflation, they can raise interest rates in order to reduce demand, so by reestablishing equilibrium in the supply and demand curve. And when you raise interest rates, you can have a, def def uh, a negative effect on bonds. So the tips per position, again, is in there to offset that negative effect. So we would expect it to be neutral. And if interest rates rise, year. we also expect the dollar to increase in value potentially versus other currencies. Right. And we have... Um, we have a position in international... 
fixed income securities, which is hedged to the U.S. dollar, right? So right. that would for, benefit just for that purpose as well, right? And, and quite honestly, if the dollar does increase, that that uh, supports foreign investments, which um, uh, have been or should have been higher than U.S. investments, according to almost every single report that I read for like the last ten years, <laughs> <laughs> and it hasn't really happened yet. Right. But that's the catalyst for that. Uh, is is we is is our our dollar um, actually be our dollar decreasing, wouldn't it? So so I don't to make the goods cheaper here. Yeah, to make yeah. the goods cheaper here. So yeah. yeah, I don't I don't see the I don't see the catalyst for uh, for that right now at no, all. No, um, um, you know we'll talk a little bit about this, but you know throughout the the world, different regions had you know greater dispersion in their in or their uh, stock market returns than we had here. So in Europe. Um, the stock market did quite well last year. In Asia, it did much less well. Yeah. So, um, you know, throughout the different regions, their their, well, their economies less, are recovering at different rates. We have a lot less world. exposure to Asia. Right. I remember the whole China um, research that we did. We have what one percent exposure it's overall very, in a portfolio. Yeah, very yeah. small. Yeah. Very small. Uh, okay. So we we have a game plan for bonds in a rising interest rate environment. Um, our equities. We don't see any changes um, on that front. No, we really don't. Um, we see another year of rising corporate profits. Um, last this in twenty twenty one, profits were at an all time high. Uh, we see profits normalizing a bit, a little bit over in twenty twenty two, being somewhere in ten percent range. I think is what's being called for. And as such, we're looking for the stock market to do equally as well throughout uh, next year, commensurately with corporate profits. And given the fact that we were, this is what we had pretty much expected at this time last year, and we got extra from the stock market, right Right now we're staying pr- pretty well pat in our portfolio where we have allocated between large companies and small companies in the U.S. We have a technology sleeve. We have a, a quality sleeve that we talked about in previous broadcasts, and we have some exposure to real estate. Now, ironically, real estate did quite well last year. It came out very had a very good fourth quarter as the economy continued to recover, people going back to work. But in real estate, one of the interesting things there is the move from the traditional office space to distribution centers and to cell towers and to uh, uh, warehouses that house uh, uh, server farms for you know for our, our internet usage and so on. So, yeah, when when. Uh, public REITs, the the ETFs got sold off. That was throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I mean, I looked at that going, you guys, I don't understand. You, you, oh, real estate's not office REITs aren't, aren't. Nobody wants them because everyone's gonna be moving out of the office. Well, first of all, they have leases. They have still to, have to be paid. <laughs> have to be paid. <laughs> um, uh, and actually repurposing them. I've read many articles about uh, stay at home, work from home companies. They're now using the old space, renovating it to be. Uh, more um, accommodating for for large events, so they're coming in once a week, but they're doing a fun event as opposed to actually working just to kind of keep uh, some type of company um, uh, uh, some culture culture yeah, <laughs> yeah. and right. actually know what people look like. Um, the uh, uh, but yeah, uh, when you look at those REITs, the top holdings are public warehouses. Not, not it's not public storage. That's that's where you put your old couch. Right. Public warehouses right. where like think Amazon, but right. for distribution the, for the small business owner mm-hmm. who who mm-hmm. wants to be able to work from home, <laughs> sell the product, sell the widget. The widget is imported in, sits in the warehouse, and then they they move it out. Right. Right. U- UPS is another uh, one that does this. I think very well. Um, so I think we're starting to see people r- realizing that. 
and and that's where you saw that higher rate of return. Right. And there's no place to find yield. So you're getting good yield uh, out of that sector. Real estate, uh, you know, can often be thought of as a, as a bond proxy because it does pay that generated income stream from rental income. So exactly right. And then we still have our, uh, we're staying with our international allocation where we have allocations to develop markets and to emerging markets as well. So um, that pretty much covers the portfolio. It's broadly diversified. It's globally diversified. It matches well with the bond side. So uh, I don't see, you know, a whole lot of changes coming forward in the, in the next year other than maybe rebalancing if need be. Yeah. And the cost is still low. Average cost of the portfolio is still five basis points or 0.005 of a percent. Of a percent, which means all that returns being, you know, imputed back to the shareholder. So still that, trades for free yeah. in the TD Ameritrade platform. Um, okay. So uh, I guess uh, just some housekeeping things. Um, Schwab has purchased uh, TD Ameritrade. This happened over a year ago. And the transition is still very, very slow. So uh, I don't expect anyone to see Schwab statements for probably another year and a half at this point. Uh, so we're going to keep, you know, kind of status quo on uh, TD Ameritrade and, and uh, what we do with them already. Uh, the second thing is more internal, uh, just specific to our firm. We are transitioning right now out of Morningstar. So Morningstar's, our relationship with Morningstar is they go to TD Ameritrade, they download uh, the daily transactions that happened at TD, pricing data from TD into their software, and then we use that to report performance. Uh, you'll know it as like the Morningstar vault. So the, you log into the vault, you see performance, and you have all your documents uh, in there that we, that we upload to you as well. Well, effective immediately, uh, Morningstar is going off the platform. We've been working on this for six months. Uh, we moved to a new service called Orion inside the Orion uh, platform. There's a new portal. And we have uh, done a instructional video on how to access this portal, which will be emailed to you here in the next uh, few days. By the time you hear this podcast, it could be that you already have it. Uh, you can self-log in or self-set up the new portal. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, we're, we're a emerging firm. Uh, we have been for, for several years. Our, our firm grew uh, just a little over 55% uh, in the last year, 35% a year prior to that. I see this year easily being in the 60% range. And I have to start, as a business owner, I have to start looking ahead. And we're going to be a billion-dollar firm. We're going to be a multi-billion-dollar firm in a few years. So we start looking at what technology is available at these much larger firms and Orion uh, is always on that list. And so Orion will now replace Morningstar for client reporting. On the back end for us, it does amazing things uh, that, that Morningstar was not able to do for us, um, which is great. Some of it is more tracking and, and performance research, but, but honestly, a lot of it has to do with just compliance. Uh, we're reg regulated by the SEC, and to be regulated by the SEC requires a lot of uh, reporting when, once we go through their audits. Uh, and this new system uh, make that very automated uh, versus the old system. So uh, in, in the return, you're getting a portal, which looks a little cleaner, but it kind of functions the same. And we're going to be transitioning uh, over the next month or so. Uh, we'll be transitioning your, um, your old files that were on the old portal onto the new portal. And this is a very painful manual process uh, that, we've, uh, that we've already begun. Um, so that's, that's it. Um, 
you, you get access to this new portal, you just go to wiserinvestor.com, client access, click on Wiser Portals, the first one on the drop down list. If you have any questions, you call our office, um, Tiffany, Megan, uh, Alexa, myself. Um, they, we can all walk you through uh, any trouble that you might have on, on getting access. Then um, we got to get to the most important part of this whole presentation, which if you guys remember, a year ago, we chose which funds or stock or index we thought would outperform for 2021. Some of us went political. Some of us went went tech. Some of us went with the boring the cop index out fund. easy <laughs> index fund. <laughs> so, drum roll, please. Maybe 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 we should uh, revisit uh, the picks first. Um, Matthews went political on us. He went with the Invesco Global Clean Energy Total Return ETF. Did great in twenty twenty. <laughs> in twenty twenty, yes, you're up like one hundred forty five percent. Yeah, would have won hands down. Um, Brad went with the uh, S and P Kinsho New Economies ETF. Which I really like the theme of that. Yeah, it's an innovation thing. Mm-hmm. So um, that played out in 2020 fairly well as well. Or in, yeah, but not so much in 2021. No, not so much in 2021. I had a very small gain in 2021. It seems that uh, what occurred, and, and Matthews, you can talk to yours if you like, but um, innovation that was thought up in 2020 as a result of, of COVID for many instances worked its way fairly quickly into the general economy, into industry itself. And so the innovation was spread out into the general economy and was less focused in innovation in and of itself, you know, for 2021. So we didn't see the returns in there, but we saw it in other industry sectors where companies had had utilized new innovation to become more efficient and more productive in the face of a changing work environment and a changing economy. So, you know, innovation is still out there. It's still something that, that, you know, we need to have in our economy. And I think going into 2022, you know, those companies that can innovate and utilize innovation are going to do better than the rest because it'll make them less dependent upon, well, let's face it, it'll make it less dependent upon, you know, their workforce. Yeah, the manpower. In certain industries, okay? yeah, for sure. It'll help offset. If, if you can increase productivity and at the same price, you're effectively offsetting inflation. So the only way a company can offset the rising costs of their expenses is to increase productivity. So if they can implement innovation in order to do that, they can offset the rising costs. So I think those companies that can innovate and utilize innovation will do well again in 2022. But we'll see that in the general economy, not necessarily in innovation itself. Yeah. And I, th- I think your pick, Matthews, is more based off of uh, you know Biden coming into uh, some clean energy initiatives that yeah. were supposed to happen. It didn't really reflect in the uh, the fund or the market so much yet. But it's kind of funny that uh, one of the high, best sectors of the year was energy. So it kind of flip-flopped <laughs> on us right. there. Um, clean energy wasn't, but the energy sector overall did pretty well. So one of those reasons you, you just never know. things. Uh, the market's cyclical one year. The, the best performing asset class or uh, sector could be the worst the following year. And I chose, um, you guys call it boring. I think Matthew <laughs> said cop-out, whatever that means. Um I always went with the total market because my my whole thing is like I'm terrible. I'm the worst guy to take to Vegas. Um, I'm not so good on the short term stuff, but uh, I think long term 
uh, always win by owning the averages. Now we have lots of podcasts that support all this and you guys had more fun with it. So uh, you definitely got more joy out of the process maybe. Well, but- there was a lot of cajoling throughout the year because <laughs> we all knew what our picks were. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so clean energy fund down 22% last year. The uh, uh, Brad's uh, uh, new economies ETF pick up 3.69%. And the total U.S. stock market was up 25.67. There you go. We have a winner. Once again. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to gloat. I'm not going to gloat. It's all right. Well, the, um, other, the other picks that we had was the, was the overall markets themselves. We, we picked on what we thought the S&P would be. We thought we oh, would yeah, on what the Dow right. was going to be. Do you have this documented? I, don't I, know I certainly do. What did we say? <laughs> what did we say? We said the S&P would hit... Uh, 4,500. Okay. And ended at 4,776 or something like that. All right. And we said the uh, Dow would uh, hit 35,000. Oh. Okay. So we were right on both of our picks, and that plays well into your pick for yeah. the total stock market being. True. To, having done so well. So. True. Yeah. Okay. Good job, everyone. Next yeah. year, this year, next year. 2022. So are, are we going to lay you out? Must, you sound like a Cub fan. <laughs> yeah. Wait until next year. It used to be Atlanta, but that, that was a, a good year this year, last year. Yeah. So are we throwing out picks now? Well, I think we should. I think we should be, you know, set ourselves up again. Huh. All right. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Well, you have some time. Why don't we start with uh, the S&P 500? It's currently... Ended the year at 47.76, and I had mentioned a little bit earlier in this podcast that corporate profits are expected to, to rise about 10%. And if corporate profits are what really drives stock prices and valuations, and you know, valuations are a little high, but they seem to be supported in the marketplace. So I'm going to pick, you know, S&P ending the year at 52.5, which is about a 10% increase. Okay. I'll go even five flat. Five up five percent at five hundred or five thousand. Oh, five thousand. Yeah. I'll go. I, I like. I like. I like. I, I think in single digits for twenty twenty two. We need to cool off a little bit. Um. I think there's probably some political things out there we don't quite know or understand about. I mean, we weren't able to get a full deal, right, on uh, anything. With, Nothing yet. So I think there's some, might be some surprises sitting out there, but we, we, we need we need a normal year. We can't keep going at this pace. Uh, now, the, on the counter of that, wages are up. And wa- wages, uh, people are making more money, more people are employed. So you have more people able to spend money. You've got uh, the government trying to run a stimulus plan, which is going to, it's just adding uh, kerosene to a well-lit fire already. So I guess if inflation, well, you know what? If inflation goes through the roof, because uh, people are making more money and we keep, need to have a supply chain because of, of uh, COVID, I guess, then, um, I can see a 10% increase. I can see a 10% year. Mm-hmm. I think it's very possible. There, there's some things. Now, that's that, not to say that there won't be some bumps throughout the year, no. as you were alluding to. In 2021, the S&P did not have a correction. 
the lowest it went down, I think it was like 5%, a little over 5%. All right. Well, so I know that I'll, the NASDAQ had a, had a correction. Small caps had a correction, but the S&P didn't. So it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't have a – it would surprise me if we did not have a correction at some point in time in 2022. Well, we need healthy 5%, 10% pullbacks. 10%, that would take a big catalyst for that, I think, at this point. But just a normal good old sell-off at 5% keeps people honest. Mm-hmm. We, we need that. It's healthy. Um so I'll go thirty one hundred on the S and P, fifty one thirty or uh, what's it at now? Twenty seven, forty seven. Oh, forty seven fifty. Yeah. Sorry, I did my math wrong. Uh, yeah, so forty seven, uh, forty seven fifty. I want to round up though, fifty three hundred. It's a little greater, a little greater we than ten percent. Yep. Okay. So we got we got we got three different predictions there. Mm-hmm. I, I I do that. And I'm saying about 40000 on the Dow. Yeah, whatever think, that 10% is on the Dow. Yeah, it's about the same now. The, the prognosticators are thinking value over growth. There's probably a little more value in, 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 on the, in Dow. the Dow. So, But I'm not going to you know, kind of go with that. I'm going to just go with, you know, if we hit, I think 40000 is a milestone um, in, in the Dow. Uh, and not just because it's higher than, than, than it is now, but rather it's a, it's a psychological milestone that from right. there... I mean, who knows what could happen at that point in time. So we hit 40,000. We will go through a psychological bear on, on the Dow. Then I'm suggesting that we might this year. Okay. Well, so let's shift that to individual investment picks. You said S&P 500. Right? Uh, yeah, I'll go plain vanilla and just S&P 500. <laughs> you get his 10% and go home. Yeah, call it a day. <laughs> I think Matthews is always a year late. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to reverse it. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb. This is not a big limb because I'm not a huge risk taker. But inside our portfolios, we use VGT. They had a good year this last year. It's mm-hmm. up 35%. They're, I'm going to bank that, you know, they're, they're reclassifying companies. So to get tech companies out of tech into other, into other sectors. Right. Right. It's expected to go through somewhere at the end of the first quarter or thereabouts. So I, I think that changes the face of VGT a little bit and it probably brings in real tech in the VGT. So I don't know if it changes the cap size necessarily, but I could see new comp, newer refresh companies rising up. They're probably already in the fund. They're just um, very small percentages. I can see those rising up, right? Right. And and as fast as we're creating new things and as fast as uh, we need software companies to do that, because that's what really VGT is, is a lot of software companies, right? Um, I, I would be willing to come off of my VTI <laughs> and say that technology inside VGT, it's a little different technology, right? Inside VGT probably outperforms the average still for tw- for 2022. Yeah, that's a good so pick. It's not it's not a crazy pick, but it's it's a safe one. Yeah, it's yeah. a safe one. Yeah, I'm going to go with real estate. That's um, my second choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go with real estate. Um, when we started out the year last year, I yeah, wasn't now, publicly traded REITs, not not rental homes. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not private equity. Brad no. needs a week off. He's rehabbing. <laughs> We're talking about my house, <laughs> right? I'm hoping my house has a great year, um, but I, no. For the for the reasons that we talked about earlier in this podcast, you know that how we're utilizing real estate a little bit differently in, in 
currently and going forward than we did in the past. And I think there's tremendous upside in these distribution centers and these server farms and uh, uh, cell towers uh, that they should really do well going forward. And I'm expecting real estate to have a, not just a, a, another good year, but in fact, a, a, a year that surpasses the overall stock market. All right. So we got it. S&P is a choice. That's always a good choice. Just not when you choose VGT or real estate. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't jinx it there this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. I didn't think about that. There's a lot of weight in your sh- shoulders right now. I'll take it. Um, and then we have a uh, real estate. You know, which, which specifically which fund? Because there's different. Just different real estate funds. Well, we're utilizing uh, the iShares product, which is a global product, R-E-E-T. And this global diversification will allow uh, for these areas throughout the rest of the world to participate in this change in in real estate. So I'm going to go with the R-E-E-T, the one that we have in our portfolio. I think it's a good pick. All right, REIT, R-E-E-T, mine's VGT. It's a Vanguard Technology Fund. And are you going to go with V-O-O, I-V-V, or S-P-Y? We should go SPY, switch it up. <laughs> All right. SPY? Why would you choose that one that doesn't reinvest as dividends? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> switch it though. we don't have all our uh, our portfolios in there. Uh, you put him in IVV. Don't don't write down SPY. Nobody uses SPY. <laughs> it's it is the largest yeah. ETF. That was that that was yeah. Nobody no yeah, they use it as a holding point though. It's a benchmark. They're holding it temporarily. SP, come on, guys. SPY is a trust, right? And the dividends, they get paid out, go to cash, and don't get reinvested into the fund. They stay in cash until the dividend date, and then it pays out. So if the market's going to go up, IVV is going to have a higher rate of return, only by nickel, but still, IVV will have a higher rate of return because it's reinvesting its dividends back into itself until it has to pay out to clients, right? So, mm-hmm. okay. So that's it? Yeah. Right. yeah. Am I the only nerd here that knows this? <laughs> Just make it clean and simple for everybody out there. <laughs> no, that's how ETFs outperform. Yeah. It's through their cash management activities. Right. Which a dividend is a cash management activity. So on the way down, yeah. I want an SPY. On the way up, I want an IVV. Yeah. Everybody knows this. All right. All right. Good conversation. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to a Wiser Retirement Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss any new episodes. We would also appreciate if you could leave a rating and review. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed today, head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Lilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.